Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today for the broadcast because I'm going to be talking to you about how to start the new year in living truth. And now Jesus said this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In Oprah Winfrey's Lifetime Achievement Award acceptance speech at the 2018 Golden Globes Awards, she said, What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we have. Your truth. Those two words are so entrenched in our society that we hardly recognize them for the incoherent nightmare that they are. Among other things, the philosophy of your truth destroys families. I mean, let's take, for example, a dad who suddenly decides that his truth is calling him to a new lover, a new family, or maybe even a a new gender. It's a philosophy that can destroy entire societies because invariably one person's truth will go to battle with another person's truth and devoid of reason, only power decides the victory. Your truth also puts an incredible self-justifying burden on the individual. If we are all self-made projects whose destinies are wholly ours to discover and to implement, life becomes a rat race of performance, individual performance. Live your truth. Autonomy is as exhausting as it is incoherent. Depression is an inevitable result and the inexhaustible counterpart of human beings who are their own sovereignty. As we look at this subject of living truth, living a year in living truth, when I believe a lie, truth begins to die, and my life actually begins to die. George Orwell said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. In John 1.14, Jesus said, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And now this passage of Scripture is an amazing portion of Scripture where Jesus is actually tabernacling with us or taking up residence with us. So today in the broadcast and then going into the broadcast tomorrow, I want to try to do three things. Number one, I want to try to define what is truth. Okay, so first of all, what is truth? Number two, what influences my perception of truth? And then number three, how did Jesus share truth? So let's look at a very simple definition drawn from what the Bible teaches about truth. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, the will, the character, the glory, and the very being of God. Maybe even more to point, we put it like this. Truth is the self-expression of God. Just as God is love, God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Not a truth, not my truth, but the truth. That is the biblical meaning of truth. The self-expression of God. Now, because the definition of truth flows from God, we could say that truth does have a theological component to it, but truth also has what we would call an ontological meaning. 
In other words, it can be verified. This is a fancy way of saying that truth can be verified. Now, I know God created me because I'm here. Because I'm here, I know God created me. That's the reality of the fact that I am here, so God created me. Reality is what it is because God declared it so, and he made it so. Therefore, God is the author, the source, the determiner, the governor, the arbitrator, and the ultimate standard and the final judge of all truth. Now, there are serious moral implications as well. Whenever somebody tries to discuss truth and tries to disassociate from the knowledge of God, Paul says this, they didn't retain their knowledge of God and their understanding. And he says, this is what happens when we try to disassociate truth from knowledge of God. Have you ever wondered why there is such a strong resistance to being open about the truth of who God is. Uh, That's why they took prayer out of school. Uh, That's why they took the Ten Commandments off the walls of school. Uh, That's why they no longer, even in most schools, will pledge to the allegiance to the flag. Why? Because we're one nation under God. Well, we don't have that knowledge of being under God. So Paul says this is what happens. When we disassociate truth from the knowledge of God, says that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. This is Romans one twenty eight. They didn't want God in their knowledge. They, they tried to reject him. God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. So when we see a moral decline taking place in culture, it's because prior to that decline, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They rejected God. And as a result of rejecting God, God says, fine, if you don't want to have knowledge of me, you will begin to lose truth. Your mind will not be able to process truth. Your mind will become debased, and you're going to do things that are not fitting. Simple things like going against laws of nature. You no longer will put yourself under the laws of nature because now you are a debased mind. So in defining truth, I think it's also helpful to note what truth is not. So truth is not simply whatever works. Uh, That's a philosophy called pragmatism. And as you look at this type, this is something that appears to work, but there are still lies and it's still not based on truth. Just because something works doesn't mean that it is true. As a matter of fact, sometimes lying works better than telling the truth. But that doesn't mean that truth is to be accepted pragmatically. Truth is, number two, not simply what is coherent or understandable. Let me give an example. A group of people can get together and they can form a conspiracy based on a set of falsehoods, which they all agree to tell the same false story but it doesn't make their presentation true. Although they understand it, and although they put some things together, it's still a conspiracy. It is still not true. Thirdly, truth is not what makes people feel good. Now, sometimes truth does, but Jesus said you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So truth is not what makes people feel good all the time. Unfortunately, bad news can be true. And sometimes when we see bad news, we don't want to hear it. We go into denial and, and we, we pretend it didn't happen. But 
uh, the reality begins to set in, and so ultimately bad news can be true. Well, truth is not what the majority says it is. You know, 51% of a group can reach a wrong conclusion. And it wasn't too long ago in our history that we believed that the world was flat. It wasn't a globe. The majority of the world believed that. But it wasn't true, regardless of the majority believing something. Truth is not what is comprehensive. Now, a lengthy, detailed presentation can still result in a false conclusion. I mean, all you have to do is sit in a class that is talking about evolution. They can give a detailed presentation. It can be a lengthy presentation, and it may even be somewhat comprehensive, but truth is not always what is comprehensive. You can end up with a false conclusion. You know that one and one is two. If I were to say to you, one and one is three, and I could go through and explain all the reasons why I believe that one and one is three, it doesn't change the truth of the matter. Because it doesn't matter what country you go to, what language you speak, one and one always equals two. If I have one apple and I add another apple to that, I have two apples. Now, no matter how I try to slice or dice it, I can say I have three apples, but I only have two. Here's the next point. Truth is not defined by what is intended. Good intentions can still be wrong. Truth is not how we know. Truth is what we know. You see, truth is based on knowledge. Truth is not how we know something. Truth is what we know. It can be verified. Truth is simply not that which is believed. You know, a believed lie is still a lie. I can believe something, even though it's not true, and it's still a lie. No matter how sincere I may be holding to that lie, the depth of my sincerity does not make something true. I can be sincerely wrong. Truth is not what is publicly proved. Truth can be privately known. For example, the location of a buried treasure. The Greek word for truth literally means to unhide or hiding nothing. It conveys the thought that truth is always there, always open, always available for all to see, with nothing being hidden or obscured. The Hebrew word for truth means firmness, consistency, duration. Such a definition implies an everlasting substance and something that can be relied upon. From a philosophical perspective, there are three ways to define truth. First would be that truth is that which corresponds to reality. Secondly, we say, truth is that which matches its object. And then number three, we would say that truth is simply telling it like it is. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Well, let's look at factors now that influence my perception of truth. And then in the broadcast tomorrow, uh, we'll get into how Jesus shared truth. Here are four factors that will influence now. Now, notice I said my perception of truth. Uh, Not truth itself, but how I perceive if something is true or false. And number one would be the experiences that I have. Now, there's a very classic example of this almost conversion to Christ that happened to a guy by the name of Lord Kenneth Clark. Now, just in case you don't know who he is, uh, he is one of 
Great Britain's most prominent art historians and authors. In fact, he is the producer of the BBC television series called Civilization. He has written an autobiographical account where he talks about living in France, where he had a very curious experience. He said this, I had a religious experience. It took place in a church in San Lorenzo, but did not seem to connect with the harmonious beauty of the architect. In other words, he's sitting in this church, and there's a beautiful church that he's sitting in, but he has something that takes place as he experiences what he calls a religious experience. He says, I can only say that for a few minutes, my whole being was radiated by a kind of heavenly joy, far more intense than anything I had ever experienced before. This state of mind lasted for several minutes, but wonderful as it was, it posed an awkward problem in terms of action. My life was far from blameless. I would have had to reform. My family would think I was going mad, and perhaps after all, it was a delusion, for I was in every way unworthy of such a flood of grace. Gradually, the effect wore off, and I made no effort to retain it. I think I was right. I was too deeply embedded in the world to change course. But he admits, I felt the finger of God. Quite sure. And although the memory of this experience has faded, it still helps me to understand the joys of the saints. So here we have a man who had an experience that affected his perception of truth, but it never changed him. There's a second factor that will influence our perception of truth, and that is our emotions. There's a professor at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and he says, we have eight basic emotions, joy and trust and fear and surprise and sadness and disgust and anger and anticipation. Now, these emotions will affect how we process truth. Now, we can't even figure out how many emotions there are because uh, there's another researcher, uh, another professor who says we have 412 emotions. And then somebody else says, no, we only have 48 basic emotions. Well, regardless of how many emotions we have, these are not always reliable. We are responsible to manage our emotions. Have you ever felt like something's wrong and you can't figure out why you feel like something's wrong and then later you found out it was just a feeling. There was nothing wrong, but maybe you weren't feeling well. Maybe you had too much pepperoni pizza. Maybe you were having indigestion. Maybe you're just in a bad mood. And so you had a feeling that was not reliable. I always say, feelings are the caboose of our lives. Never the engine that drives our life on the train of life. Don't let your emotions rule your day. There are so many times where I was so ticked off about something that I made a very bad decision in the heat of that anger. And if I just waited until things calmed down, I would have saw through and I would have figured out, you know, that this is not as big a deal as I think it is. The little things that we get so upset about, don't trust your emotions. Now listen, God has given us emotions. I'm not saying discount your emotions. I'm just saying don't rule your life by your emotions, rule your life by truth. Well, there's something else that will 
impact our perception of truth. We've talked about experiences. We've talked about emotions. And number three would be education. That would be the type and the amount of education that I've received. Simple things like, where did you go to school? You see, Albert Einstein understood that education is not the learning of facts, but the training of the mind. See, many times we are indoctrinated with something that is not true, but because we have been told it over and over again, and sometimes even in educational settings, now we endorse it, now we embrace it, because that's what we have been taught. We are regurgitating what we have been taught. Now, education is great. It can set you free. And if an education is training your mind to think, that's great. But if you're being indoctrinated into a particular philosophy, uh, you're going to have a hard time grasping the depths of truth. You're going to be constantly buying into your truth. So education impacts us. There's one other thing that will impact our perception of truth. And I call this environment. Things that you were exposed to influences your perception of truth. You see, so many people have been in an environment that, that they were exposed to things, in many cases, that they, they should have never been exposed to, or, or they were exposed to things that were not true. And because they had a long-term exposure to something that was not true, they began to believe it. Sometimes the environment that we have is an extremely sinful environment. You think about why do people do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do because they find themselves in an environment where they're doing something that they wouldn't do because of that environment. For example, mob riots. People will riot, calm, ordinary people, get caught up in the environment, get caught up in that moment. You think the opposite. Think about how your perspective changes when you just go for a quiet walk out into the woods, into a more serene environment, and how that cleanses your mind and how it cleanses your heart. In James chapter 4, he's talking about the environment of the world. He says, you adulteresses, don't you know that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, would be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So the people we hang around with impacts our understanding of truth. You know, I work with inmates and been doing it for over 20 years. And uh, as a matter of fact, I worked with inmates so much, I almost think that I, I think like an inmate. And I, I think like, like those who, who uh, have been caught up in, in a bad environment. One of the things I've discovered about inmates is that they've got to be very selective when they are released from prison, very selective in about the people they hang out with and the environment they find themselves with. I've heard the story over and over again. They say, well, chaplain, I was doing great. Man, I got out of prison. I got my driver's license back. I paid off my fines. I got a job and things were going really good. And then I ran into an old friend. I ran into an old environment. I ran into an old friend. And that was the beginning of my demise. You see, the company that we keep will indeed influence what we perceive as truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, that statement is either true or it's false. 
Jesus is not a good teacher if this is false. Jesus is a liar if he's saying that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, if one part of the statement is false, that discredits the whole statement. If Jesus is not the way, then there must be another way. If Jesus is not the truth, there must be a different truth, maybe my truth. If Jesus is not the life, I can find life through somebody else. If Jesus is not the only way to the Father, there must be another way to the Father. But I stand on God's word when I say, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. So in the remaining moments of the broadcast, and we're going to finish this up in tomorrow's broadcast, Jesus revealed truth many ways. We're going to spell out the word truth, okay? I'd like to have across this because it helps me to keep focused, okay? Jesus revealed truth by touching lives. Letter T in truth, touching lives. In Mark 10, 13, it says, the people were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to touch them. Then he embraced them, laid his hands on them, and he gave them his blessing. Now, who and how you touch others could be the difference of them being able to have a strong faith in Christ, like a child, or a weak faith. Now, in Mark chapter 10, the disciples actually rebuked the children for wanting to be around Jesus. They basically said, get away from Jesus. He doesn't have time for you. You're just children. But Jesus said to them, let them come to me. And he touches them. He blesses them. You know, one of the reasons I try to touch people uh, at church with an embrace or with a handshake or, or a hand on the shoulder is because I like to share God's blessing with them. Touching lives is how Jesus shared truth. You see, touching somebody's life brings comfort. It's saying it's going to be okay. You know, somebody would say that touch is the social glue that holds us together. You know, many years ago, I was in a very serious car accident, and I found myself at the Sturdy Memorial Hospital in Attleboro, Massachusetts. I was in an accident where I broke my back and, and collapsed my lungs, and, and I found myself on a respirator, and a, a man came by to visit me, a man by the name of Dr. Armie Gisalva. And uh, he was a, a pastor in the Philippines uh, that my church supported. And I went to school uh, with his, his son, Bo. And he and I worked together at the bookstore in college. And, and so when I find myself in the hospital, somehow Dr. Armie Gisalva heard I was in the hospital and he came by to visit me. Now, now so many people stopped by and prayed for me, and touched me, and in some cases, I didn't even know they were there. And so, when your heart needs healing, it needs a touch from Jesus, but we often reject that touch, and we miss his blessings, and bitterness grows. But if you will receive his touch, and the touch of those who love Christ, that bitterness will begin to melt, and healing will begin to take place. When I touch somebody, I'm saying to them, it's going to be all right. And so when Dr. Armie de Salva rubbed my arm and touched my arm, I began to sense healing. And I couldn't speak to him because I was on a respirator. I couldn't really respond to him, but I began to feel my body starting to heal, all because a touch 
from a brother in Christ, praying over me, praying for me, interceding on my behalf. Jesus touched people wherever he went. He says, bring these children to me for me to touch them. And he embraces them and he lays his hands on them and he gives them his blessing. Well, join me tomorrow as we continue to study how Jesus revealed truth. Now, I'd love to pray for you. We would love to encourage you uh, to be involved in serving the Lord somewhere. But if I can pray specifically for you, would you shoot me a text message? 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. I will gladly pray for you. And I get a team of people praying for you. Uh, if you need a, an extra measure of God's grace in your life, if you needed a touch from the Lord, we would love to pray for you. And please come by and see me at Hickory Ridge Community Church, 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. We do two Sunday morning services, one at 9, one at 1045. And maybe you need a ministry like Celebrate Recovery in your life. We do Celebrate Recovery every Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Love to see you there as well. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm praying for you. I love you. I thank the Lord for you. And I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557. Or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.